Hello and welcome to this week's GG Weekend Watch, which is sure to be a jam-packed show this week. We have racing that we're going to be covering from Sandown, Weatherby, Musselburgh and Leopardstown. So hugely exciting. This show, of course, sponsored by SBK as usual. But we do not have our usual team this week to guide you through the racing. We have myself as usual in the hosting seat. We have Daryl Carter. We have Andrew Mount. But we are delighted to welcome Rory Delaghi to the team then for this week to help us through not just the handicaps, as we know Rory is the handicap king, but through all of our top quality contests that we have on Saturday. So before we get started with the racing, though, we do have to credit Daryl where credit is due because he had a fantastic week last week. He actually had the first and second of Cormier and Severance. So first and foremost, that was phenomenal. Then he had Torn and Freyd winning at 14 to 1, North Lodge at 7 to 1 as well. So very well done, Daryl. More of this this week, we have enough races for you to target to bring us some more winners. So we will kick on with the racing. We're going to start at Sandown. With the 115, this is a handicap chase for five rods and over, over just shy of two miles, which is a tight little contest. Gunsight Ridge, our current market leader, in the hope of building on his course and distance win over the reopposing Bundoran from last time out. So, Rory, I think it's only fair to start with our newest pundit. Who wins our opener, please? Um, I don't think it'll be Gunsight Ridge. Mm. Um, it could be a number of horses, um, but I'd be against Gunsight Ridge here. I he got it done last time out. The form looks okay. Um, he doesn't need the heavy grind that he had there, but he's a horse who's frequently traded very short and running and then not got the job done. And although he did win last time out, I thought he was desperate for someone to come and, and tackle him again on the run-in. Um, Bundoran tried to rally there. And for me, he's a horse who just wants a bit of company, Gunsight Ridge. So I think he'll run well again. Um, but I think one of the easiest ways into this race is, is arguably look to lay him and running if you want to, if you're into that kind of thing. Because mm. um, I think, you know, he will travel strongly. Um, he's got a big chance on paper, but I think he'll find a way of getting beat this time. Probably hit the frame, um, but I'd be against him. I wouldn't be against um, Bondoran. I'm just a little bit wary of backing 11-year-olds in handicap mm. chases. You know, his his second last time out came on heavy ground, but his his career record shows that he's he's better, actually, um, on, on better ground. I'm, we're expecting the ground to be not far off good at Sandown. We've had some very um, deep ground at Sandown this season, but it shouldn't be... Um, it shouldn't be too bad this weekend. So that will suit Bondoran better. I think he's got a fair chance of turning the tables, having got up a pound for that. Um, and I'd give him a chance. But the one I'm going to go for is uh, Rico Boy at the bottom. I was Ooh. with him at uh, Wincanton last time out. I thought he was a, a very big price there, given the promise he'd shown last season. Um, he was um, he was beaten when he unseated on his final start last year, but that was that was behind a grade one performer, as we've now found out. Um, and I thought um, I thought he was well handicapped, having, having gone down two pounds for that. He then finished um, second to another crick, um, or again on heavy ground at uh, Wincanton in his reappearance. I thought he was given too much to do that day. He came from a long way back to challenge at the last, but couldn't quite get on terms. With Sam Twist and Davis taking over now from Charlie Hammond, I think that'll make the difference to him, and he's the one to beat for me. Yeah, so Rico Boy, as Rory said, he sided with him last time out, went <clears> second, and <throat> the hope that he can go one better here. So, Andrew, I will move to you next, please, for this first race. Who wins it? Yeah, well, welcome, Rory. And um, I think you've now completed podcasts. You've been on every single rating one ever. So, uh, the bingo yeah, card is completed. Well, well, well done. Congratulations. And yeah, Kate, not far behind you. I was going to say I'm halfway through. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, this race is um, interesting. I mean, Moonlighter, how have they found a jockey for the horse? He's an absolute yeah. fruitcake. 
I mean, he, he seems to need heavy ground to like make him go slow enough to actually negotiate his fences. Mm. So, uh, um, God bless David Newton. I hope he's got life insurance. Um, <laughs> Rico Boyd, Roy's pick. I, I was a bit worried about his overall strike rate of one from eighteen. Um, and I'm against the Nichols horses as well. I know Daryl doesn't believe in Unicorns Father Christmas and training for training for. <laughs> but, uh, my God, I mean, I mean, as we record this, Win Canton's been on. I've laid the Nichols horse in the first race down the chase, and uh, he's got chinned in a match. And um, I'm hoping every single other Nichols horse gets uh, beat uh, this afternoon because they're running like hairy dogs at the moment. Um, he's, you know, before Thursday's racing, he was seven from sixty-one in 2022. The expected wins was about twice that. He's got Dolos and Tamarock. I mean, I've fallen for Dolos as a horse I've mentioned. Goes well right-handed, goes well after a break of at least six weeks. But he still can't win. So, my God, um, I hope no one like Daryl tips him um, after I've <laughs> talked about this. I'm sure he won't. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at um, Ferrero Rocher. Uh, Ferrero Bamboo. Uh, <laughs> a luxury chocolates for pandas. And um, he's a, a, a winter million winner at uh, Lingfield last time out. And... Um, you know, his other British win came over course and distance. But you look at his record from January to April, including his French form, it's four wins, a fourth of 18 in the Red Rum Handicap Chase of eight three from five starts. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go for, for, uh, for Frero Bamboo. Gunsight Ridge, like Rory, I've never been a horse I've been a complete fan of. You know, play spot inclusion, absolutely fantastic. Stick him in a forecast to finish second to your pick. Um, but I thought it was the, the head of the market, Frero Bamboo beats Gunsight Ridge for me. Oh, very interesting then. Yeah, for the panda's favourite chocolate horse, Barrero Bamboo there for Andrew. But uh, plenty of interesting angles taken into there. Daryl, are you going to take a Nichols horse just to spite Andrew? Yeah, not just to spite him, because I think he's going to win. I think Dolas is a fantastic yes, bet. because I'm the exact same. So yeah, I, 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 saying it, I was like, keep going, keep going. <laughs> yeah, I do think he's a fantastic bet. He, he's 15, is it 15, 15 pounds lower than second in this race last year on heavy ground? Mm. I didn't entirely think that he was uh, comfortable on heavy ground last year when he ran in this race. I think he's been better than the bare result in a, you know, in, a, in a couple of decent races. But I think ultimately Sandown is his track. Saves his best for it, Sandown. I thought he was better than the bare result beating 46 lengths behind Palmer's Hill at Ascot last time. I don't entirely think Ascot is, is where he shows his best form either. Outside of um, Grade 1 company at Sandown, he's got form figures of 2-2-1-1-2. Two, two, one, one, two. I thought it was very interesting that Harry Copton would have had the choice between Tamarot, Dumat and, and Dollar, and he's chosen Dollar. Um, I'm just very surprised that he, he's such a big price in a field like this, to be honest. I totally respect Rory's um, Rory's selection, Rico Boy, though, because he did run on really strongly at Wincanton that day, and uh, he is one I would definitely fear. But I, I, Sandown, I just like a horse that's been and done it, and um, Dollos, I, I, I thought he was a great pet. I really mm -hmm. did it. Off a mark of 143. He's been dropped yeah. 15 pounds for three runs this season. And I think he has been slightly better than the bare results. So, yeah, I'm going to roll the dice with Dolos. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in total agreement with Dolos. When you think he won this in 2020 off a of 157 and then in 2019 off 149, this mark of 143, it looks as though it's been the ploy for me. And as Andrew says, though, I hugely respect the fact that the Nichols horses just are not running to form at the minute, probably because of the flu jabs. And that is obviously going to be a concern for Dolos in this handicap. But as you say, at that current price, with this looking like it's been the plan for him, he's a horse I could not resist either. So it is Dolos for Daryl and I. But interesting start to the day, differing opinions in the main. So we will move on to the 150 at Sandown. This is, this is the listed contenders hurdle for four-year-olds and over, over again, just shy of two miles where we only have five runners and I think it's 
fair to say this is probably another reflection of a lack of strength and depth in the two-mile open hurdling division in this country. But it is interesting nonetheless. So, Daryl, I know you loved the look of this race earlier on in the week. So I'm going to head to you first, please. Yeah, I think the song for someone's the one, to be honest. Six pound better off of Guard Your Dreams. I thought the switched hold-up tactics last time at uh, Sheldon, although probably unintentional, to be fair, didn't really work. I expect him to to reverse form of Guard Your Dreams. He, he was ahead of him um, when they met Ascot the time before. In fact, three of these, Goshen, Guard Your Dreams and Song for Someone all met at Ascot. Song for Someone came out on top there. I just think he's the better horse, in all honesty, and he's six pound better off today. The stiff finish will, will definitely suit Song for Someone. Um, I would give Goshen a mention because I thought he ran <laughs> remarkably well again the, the other week at, at Lingfield, mm -hmm. but um, I just don't think the ground the ground's deep enough for him today. I think Song for Someone's got a, a fantastic chance. I'm very surprised that he's not a short price favourite, in all honesty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to be fair, as you say, I mean, it's just literally in front of my eyes there. It's flip-flopped nine to four for both Guide Your Dreams and Song for Someone then at the head of the market for Daryl. So, Rory, back to you, please, for this contender's hurdle. Yeah, I'm. Donald's right. The song for someone is is the pick of the weights. Um, you've got that strong collateral form um, in the um, in the Ascot Hurdle, which gives him the winning of this race. But he's been disappointing a couple of times, um, and he's shown the same tendency both times that um, that worries me. Uh, in the um, in the the uh, Wincanton uh, trial last year, the Kingwell, and again. Um, in the international, he he hasn't really wanted to start, and that's mm -hmm. a big big worry for me. Um, he was he he's essentially a very good front runner when he when he gets into the lead, he looks very genuine. He's a sound jumper, um, and I love the way he did it um, at Cheltenham in the international last year. But since then, he hasn't actually wanted to to go on um, when the tapes have come down for Aidan Coleman a couple of times, and that means he's had to come from behind in, in both that um, the Kingwell. Uh, and in the international again last time out. And although he's got reasonably close, well, he finished second in both. He got reasonably close last time. Um, he was way way adrift of, uh, of Goshen, uh, Wayne Canton. That's a big concern for me because um, if he's not going to jump off in front, um, then I think his chances are, are limited. He's not going to lead here anyway because I think Global Citizen will. Mm. Uh, and I think the, the important thing with this race is to bear in mind this is, this is um, short of two miles and most of the field are two and a half mile hurdlers. Um, so I will, and I'd almost include Goshen in that, um, although, you know, he was impressive and, and heavy ground um, in the Kingwell last year. He was staying on again at Lingfield last time out. He should come back to form, but I think Global Citizen could surprise them here. The prices have gone on him to a degree. I think he was putting at 12 to 1 in a place uh, yeah. when the market opened. And that was that was a crazy price for me because he, he caught my eye in the Haydock, um, in the new one hurdle at, at Haydock. Mm. Uh, no longer officially the uh, the champion hurdle trial, and uh, um, we, we keep mourning about um, about uh, race titles changing. But it's nice when you get a horse like the new one commemorated. Yeah. I thought he was better than the result there. That was on soft ground after another wind operation for him. He's a better horse on on uh, a sound surface. This is a stiff enough track for him, Sandown. That would be mm -hmm. the slight concern. But I can see Keelan Woods uh, able to um, to get a fairly easy lead here. If song for someone that does what he's done recently. Uh, and just plants himself a little bit at the start. And um, that'll give Global Citizen the um, uh, the early advantage. And if Keelan Woods plays this right, he might just be able to hold them all off. He's been a disappointing horse in the last couple of years, but he's had he's had his, his issues, particularly with breathing. Um, but as I said, I thought he came back to form last time out at Haydock. That's not quite good enough to win this, but I can see him stepping forward again, second run after, after a wind operation. And the horse who beat him, of course, at Haydock is a, is a real um, star, isn't he? 
Do you think Tommy's Oscar? So mm -hmm. I think he's a little bit underrated here. He's not the best horse in the race, but he might just get the perfect setup, and that gives him a chance. Do you think they'll go forward with Goshen? Uh, I I think they'll sit handy. I don't think they'll try to lead. Mm -hmm. um, but it, you know that rather depends. I think if if Global Citizen isn't isn't setting a strong pace, then Goshen might might go on. But I think they'll be happy enough to track Global Citizen given his that that uh, his would be my thinking that they might end up turning it into a bit of a stamina test, which could well suit song for someone. Would well, you yeah, risk Goshen that way? Would you risk Goshen riding that far forwards on the back of last time out? I know it's obviously going the right way around, but would you risk it? Yeah, I think there's only one way to ride him, really. Yeah, I think he's. I mean, he showed he showed last year in the in the Kingwell that he was really happy doing that, and he really caught song for someone on the uh, on the hop. So I'd agree with Daryl. I'd be happy to go forward with him. Whether they need to lead, um, is another matter. But yeah, he, I think he wants to go right-handed. I know he would. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, R Rory. I know you're new to the podcast, but you just said I agree with Daryl. That's something <laughs> you've ever saying. Okay, less of that, please. Stricken okay. from the record straight away, Rory. <laughs> He needs less of that encouragement. Fully. But yeah, that's going to be fascinating, though, on the front end of a pace there. If Global System, we know what a bit of a lunatic he is, then himself to go forwards, but on the back of that wind operation, he does look interesting at seven to one there for Rory. And then, Andrew, last word to you, please, on the contender's hurdle. Who do you fancy? Yeah, I, I struggled with this race. Struggle because after seeing Goshen was only three to one, I pissed myself laughing for an hour and a half. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, for goodness sake, I know he's going right handed again, but my God, how many chances do you want to realise this horse isn't that quick? Uh, good ground, okay. He's going right-handed. That that's a plus. Good ground. Don't be so flipping silly. Now I'm I'm in agreement with Rory. Something that's never been said on this podcast before about <laughs> um, you know global citizen. I, I was impressed by that second at Weatherby for um, mm. uh, Haydock. Sorry, first run after a wind operation because uh, he got taken off the lead by Navajo Pass and he still managed to finish second. Now in reality, um, Hunter's Call, who was well fancied for that race, should have beaten him because he had the race run to suit. So in terms of when I was looking at this and it was 10 to 1 Global Citizen, 8 to 1 Hunter's Call, I was thinking, my God, I, I want to be on um, Global Citizen or so evens or 11 to 10 to beat Hunter's Call in a match bet. That's probably going to be sort of you know, 2 1 or 4 to 6 now. Goshen can't possibly win. I mean, song for someone, he's a fantastic horse below grade one level. Six mm -hmm. wins, four seconds and a third. Now, um, when he ran in the Unibet uh, International Hurdle against Guard Your Dreams last time out, I, I on this um, program, I think I napped Guard Your Dreams um, because he was a five-year-old. Um, in that race, five-year-olds have an incredible recent record. And uh, Song, uh, Song for Someone, of course, won it last season, beating Silver Streak into second. He was, um, I think, one of two five-year-olds, along with Hunter's Call, in, uh, sorry, um, uh, along with one other in that race. And, of course, Silver Streak came out and won in grade one company next time out. So I think Song for Someone will win this. Uh, I think 904 is a good prize. Guard Your Dreams, the reason I tipped him in the Unibet, as well as the five-year-old stats, was because he was dropping back to two miles. I think he's best of that trip. He's had six runs over two or two miles one, um, and he's uh, over hurdles, four wins, uh, a fourth when uh, he was given too much to do at Bangor under a penalty in his early um, early uh, hurdle starts, and a sixth in um, in the Betfair hurdle. So I think it's really between um, sort of someone and Guard Your Dreams and... You know, I mean, some for someone should probably be around even. You're getting nine to four. That's a, that's a bit bonkers, really. And uh, Global Citizen, I think, will run well without winning. And um, they might just tee it up for the closers. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, 
Oh, Christ, I don't want to say it. I'm in agreement with Daryl. I'm like, oh. <laughs> what in the multiverse is going on today? We've only had two <laughs> races and Daryl is getting so many votes of confidence here. So, Daryl, you do, you're doing something right to butter this pair up anyway. But, yeah, Song for Someone then does look a very fair price at 9-4 for Andrew as well. Now we will move on to a grade one. This is the turn of the grade one. Silly Isles novices chase for five-year-olds and over, over two mile four at 220 at Sandown again where, again, we only have the five runners. But Lompress is a strong market leader at an odds-on price in the hope he can win this to springboard him on to a tilt at the Turners, where he's best price 8-1 to one at the time of recording for the Turners. So, Andrew, does Lompress win this Grade 1, firstly, to give Charlie Deutsch his first Grade 1 win as well? Yeah, this is tricky. I mean, regular listeners and um, watchers will know that uh, the three of us, four of us, were uh, big fans of Lompress. Yeah. And uh, we, we all tipped him up last time out when he won it. Um, Cheltenham, but when he races right-handed, he jumps out to his left. Um, good ground saw his only defeat here at Sandown, and he's been scratched on ground. Um, you know, officially good to soft on occasion. So, so, so really, he's running on ground that's too quick for him. Unless they get loads of rain on Friday, he's running the wrong way round. He might still outclass them and win this. Pick Dory. Uh, I couldn't have because of the nickels for. Uh, as we speak, I'm counting my money because he's just another favourite beaten in a three-run race at Wing Canton who found absolutely diddly squat for pressure. <laughs> and um, you've got Master Coffee who probably needs to go left-handed and only ever wins mm -hmm. when he's favourite. Um, so you look at this race, you think of this five runners as we speak. The chances are, if they don't get any rain, I think Long Press will be a non-runner. That will leave four runners and Pictori is a short price favourite. Pictori will run like every other Nichols horse in the last few weeks and finish um, out the back of the field. And so you're looking at, you know, four runners, just combine the other three in a combination forecast or have a place pot and, you know, and stick the outsiders in. So uh, if Lompress turns up, jump out to his left, lose ground at every fence, hate the ground, but still win. Um, mm -hmm. Just just oppose Pick Dory, um, no doubt Daryl's picking this race. <laughs> we will wait to see that but yeah if long press like say going back right-handed it's going to be very interesting for him daryl do as andrew sort of uh, teed you up there are you on the side of pictori um no i'm not on the side of anyone really i, I like the long press I, i'm not going to get involved in this race financially um i i do I, this is not ideal really for long press is it it's um left hand like andrew just said left left-handed jumps out to the left ground faster than ideal yeah, it's a slight concern for him, but um, I do think he's a Grade One winner and waiting. I think he's a, a very good horse. This is not this is no easy feat, is it? Either if Pick Dory turns up on top of his game, um, I don't know. I really don't know. I haven't got a, an opinion really in this race, so I'll probably leave it to the two lads to dissect this. <laughs> it's completely fair. Yeah. So, uh, Rory, did you have any stronger opinions on this race at all? Uh, I got a very strong opinion that um, Lompresse. Um, will win if Anisha lets him take his chance. There is a vague yeah. possibility that if the grind is, is deemed too quick that he'll come out of the race. Um, but I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of, of Pick Dory. Um, I thought he rather threw himself on the floor at Newbury. Um, mm -hmm. The race he wanted to ask it was was a pretty poor one. I think he's, he's clearly got a fair bit of talent, but I, I wouldn't want to back him um, at almost any price in this contest. So uh, I think the market will be against him as well because the market has, has largely been against the Nichols runners this week. Um, I... Um, I did a piece yesterday suggesting that a Nichols favourite uh, was one to leave alone. It drifted about, you know, from from seven to four to, to nine to one. Um, so the um, the market, I think, will react to the fact that Nichols, uh, the Nichols horses are, are struggling a little bit. And that means that Lompresse is going to be a, a very short price. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't really want to be against him. He's a he's a very exciting horse. I'd like to see him win this well and go to Cheltenham uh, with a good chance in um, uh, in I guess what will be the the Turners mm. um, at that meeting. So um, it'll be disappointing for uh, for British racing if he blows his lines here, really, because uh, we're struggling for uh, for home support. We really are. To be fair, we spoke about this the other day that Venetia is actually sort of holding up on novice chasers to an extent with Brave Siaska in the Arkle and then hopefully Lon Presse then in the Turners as well and hopefully he can win this en route if, as the lads have said there, do play with caution though if he doesn't take his chance in this race due to the ground because it is currently good at the time of recording. Now yes, we will... not... Before you move on, I was yeah. going to say it's not so much not so much Paul Nichols and Nicky Henderson who are uh, holding up the fort but uh, Venetia Williams and uh, Milton Harris. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I know. What a turn up for the books then this season. Yeah, the Williams and Harris then double for the festival for the British. Yeah, but we, we will look forward to that then obviously in due course. We'll move on to the 220, uh, 255 apologies at Sandown. This is a grade three handicap hurdle for four-year-olds and over over two mile seven. A very open contest. Beauport marginally heading the batting at five to one, but it is very competitive. So Rory, as I said at the top of the show, you are the king of the handicap. So please solve this one for us. Um, Beauport, Beauport's interesting stepping up to three miles um, and uh, it's interesting that they've, they've taken their time um, going up and trip with him because he was um, he was impressive when winning the, the EBF final um, last year over two and a half he looked, um, that was a real stairs race and he looked like a horse he would come into his own over a trip, he was slightly reminiscent uh, if, you're, if you've got a long enough memory of uh, Corbiere who ran in the same colours mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's got the, the scope to improve a fair bit stepping up. My only concern with him, and sort of reasonably big concern, is that he is a soft ground horse. Um, yeah. It may well be that um, uh, that the step up and trip will um, um, will negate any ground concerns. But I'm a little bit concerned about um, about potential conditions for him. Obviously, we might get a little bit of rain uh, tomorrow, so we'll see. But I was with Greenberg last time in the, um, in the Lanzarote oh. and I'm not, I'm not going to desert him now. No. Very, very unlucky there on seating Ned Fox when, um, uh, when a horse with a perfect jumping record fell in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a real kick in the teeth, especially as, you know, he was sitting in about third place at the time and the race was completely dominated by those who were, who were handy all the way. He's been very impressive over hurdles, um, this season. His, his, um, his first win with Ned Fox on board came over two miles a sharp two miles at Haydock. And it's a horse who stays two mile five on the flat. So he's been crying out for a step up and trip. Uh, he won, uh, Venetia find him a good race um, without a penalty um, for that conditional riders race. Um, for, and it was, I think it was a um, uh, Lady Amateur Riders contest as well. So it wasn't the, it wasn't the strongest race on paper. It's actually worked out very well. It's turned out to be quite strong for him. And then he was very well supported to win at Kempton last time out. And we didn't get to see what he could do. Uh, the handicapper just hasn't had a chance to, to get to grips with, with Green Book. Um, obviously, he runs off the same mark as he did last time, which is 130. And given he's won twice off 122 very easily, um, I think there's tons of scope for improvement. And he gets in here with 10 stone six. Charlie Deutsch on board. It was nice to see Ned Fox given a chance in the big mm-hmm. handicap last time out. Uh, but Charlie Deutsch is one of the finest riders in the country. Um, and there's a slight question about whether he will stay three miles. Um, yeah. You know, there are a lot of horses who've stayed two mile and a half, um, two mile five on the flat, who actually haven't stayed any further over hurdles. Nicky Henderson, for example, had, had several Cesaro Witch winners and none of them really stay beyond two and a half over mm-hmm. hurdles. So it's a slight question mark about him getting this trip. But it's, um, in fairness, it's two miles seven and a bit here rather than a full three miles, but it's still sand down. So that, that's a minor concern, but I don't want to be against Green Book because he's really impressed me so far and I'm, I'm sure there's more to come from him. 
to be fair, Rory, he was staying on really well over the two mile five in the Lanzarote when loose over the line last time out. So. Well, yeah, no, no witness back then there. <laughs> exactly. He gave you every reason there as he was running loose to just further break anyone's hearts that uh, that sided with him last time out and having an absolute ball running loose to the line then. So that is then Rory's selection for the 255. Andrew, back to you, please, for this race. Yeah, interesting race. Very tricky. Um, six and a half to one, 13 to two, the field at the time of recording. Um, Call Me Lord did best of those who came from off the pace. Rory mentioned that the pace held up in that race. The winner, the second, the fourth were in the van throughout. Uh, Call Me Lord reverting to fence, from fences, which is a massive positive angle for Nicky Henderson and the Lanzarote. Um, yeah, so he ran third, best of the hold-up horses, seven runs at Sandown, three wins, four places. Slight concern that Henderson's 25 runners to um, compete in the Lanzarote this century only two of the 25 won next time out, and both were odds on. So it might be a case of the Lanzarote was the plan, and this, you know, the subsequent runs were, were a bit of an afterthought. Um, but, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't put you off at sort of, you know, nine to one, including him in your play spot. Impressive lady is a horse I've mentioned uh, favourably here in the mm -hmm. past. Uh, always needs her first run of the season, but subsequently her record right handed is uh, three wins and a second from four starts. That second coming to Molly Zolly's wishes. In a, handy, in a mayor's handicap hurdle, Molly, Molly Zolli's wishes is now rated £15 higher. Now, she probably does need soft or heavy ground, though, and um, she's a reserve, and uh, she has been pulled out on good ground previously. But if, if they do get rain on Friday, she takes her chance. You know, 20 to 1 impressive lady would have a squeak. Uh, Don Levant was um, second best of the closers when fifth of 19 in the Lanzarote mm -hmm. uh, for Evan Williams. You know, I thought again. Um, you know, he would be um, sort of plugging on at the business end and might get into the frame. And the cob was half interesting for Ben Pauling in the first time cheap pieces. Ben Pauling's record with this headgear in handicap hurdles: five wins from thirty-six, profit of eighteen pounds twenty-five to one pound level stake. So, no strong opinion. Uh, impressive lady if she runs. Otherwise, sort of Donald Levant and the cob, very tentative. Yeah, but big prices for all of those. I mean, each way prices, at least on Levant is for shortest at 14s, but then you're getting 20 to 1 impressive lady if she does manage to get a run and 33 to 1 for the cob then for Andrew. So, Daryl, to you now, please, for this race. Yeah, I've got a long shortlist, really. Uh, I was <laughs> going to give a good mention to the cob. I thought it was um, quite interesting with the cob, right? Uh, last year at uh, Newbury, uh, I was on him after he had won at Haydock in, in a good time figure. And um, he was off a mark of 128. And I thought, this is a good thing. Um, I, I backed him quite heavily. And he ran shockingly. I couldn't mm. believe how bad he ran. Um, then he went out and won in the River Don by nine lengths. Now, it was a bit of a slog that day. And he, he's just an out-and-out -out stay off the same mark, 128. He's gone to the Albert Bartlett next time. And uh, he's been well beaten. But his seasonal return, he was only beaten five lengths by Pillion here. He's got a five-pound swing with that horse. Then he goes to Doncaster, and I backed him and tipped him that day, and he was pulled up. And yeah. I've, I've looked at it this morning, and it was the, the 29th of December 2020, 29th of December 2021. I'm just wondering if there's something that the Ben Pauling Yard might do around that time, like flu jabs, mm. um, that might just cause him to, to have run two poor races at the same time of year. Um, he bounced back from a poor run the year before uh, to win that River Don grade two, albeit a poor grade two, really. Um, I think he's feasibly handicapped off a of mark 136. I think he's got a bit more to come. Uh, so he, he's just very interested at a big, big price. I was, I couldn't really believe the, the, the double figure price 14 to one for Don Levant. 
I thought he did remarkably well in the lands of Rotty to finish where he did. Um, I know Cormie Law did the best of those from the rear of the field, but he was only beating the neck and he was hampered after the last by a faller. Uh, I think he's been crying out to go back up to three miles. His penultimate start, or his two starts prior, was at Haydock, first start over three miles. He won in a, no more than a hat canter for Mark 135. I think there's loads of scope to come from him off of Mark 142. Um, he's been there and done it with, in, in all some of the top handicaps. Um, his run at Aintree last year was. Very, very impressive behind Tronador, a well-handicapped horse. Um, his run at the Cheltenham Festival was was very eye-catching uh, in, in the Coral Cup over two miles five. I, I just think he's been a three-miler. Um, I don't know why they kept dropping him back. He ran actually okay in the uh, in the real kill behind uh, Stormy Island. Again, he was hampered at the last. I think he would have finished closer than beating seven lengths there as well. So I think at 14-1, to one, he's got to be in the flat frame. I think this track will suit him. They tend to swing around the home straight at Sandown. And uh, the race doesn't really develop until between the third and second last. So I think that should just suit the way he travels for a race. I just hope Isabel Williams knows she needs to be in, in front after the last because you're not going to make too much ground up up that hill. But I thought he, he was a good bet. But you can make cases for a lot of these. Born Patriots, another one that's been catching my eye quite often. He's actually qualified for the attempts after finishing second at Cheltenham last time. But he had to wait behind a wall of horses coming around the home bend. It was just not ideal for him. He just had to wait and wait and wait. And then he ran on too late. I just don't know if Sandown's really going to suit him. But uh, he's very interesting. So I've got a handful to back at the minute. For the purposes of the video, let's just go Don Levon each way. But um, I'm going to do a little bit more on this, I think. Yeah, for sure. Definitely catch then Daryl's column before the weekend when he's sort of analysed those other bigger price runners as well. But Don Levant himself, a very nice price there at 14 to 1, which from an each way perspective from a consistent horse that reaches a frame, that looks very big to be siding with him there in the 255 at Sandown. So we will move on to our final scheduled Sandown contest. This is the 330. This is a three mile handicap chase of five rods and over where we have eight runners. So Daryl, back to you for this handicap chase, please. Yeah, competitive stuff. Uh, Faraday, I'm not entirely sure, is going to be a runner again with a good ground expected, I doubt. Five-star getaway, I thought, was the right favourite, um, but the market's got him well found. I was going to take a chance with Cap Course. I just thought, I mean, I said it last week when I fancied him at Doncaster before he was pulled out. I just thought that uh, that the Newbury run was, was, was excellent. I think he's been underestimated by a by an eight-pound rise, really. I think he's better than a mark of 139. He's been very lightly raced. I suppose you've got to worry about the bounce factor a little bit, but I think he's a, he's a proper horse. And I know, I know, it's a Paul Nichols horse again. No one was saying anything about stable form and 300 through 5-1, did they? Eh? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought Cap Course was, was a pretty solid horse here. You, like, like, the thing with Cap Course is you're going to know in the um, in, in the first couple of furlongs whether he's travelling really strongly and taking a pull, uh, whether he's going to go well or not. Because he, he can just be one of those horses that just... If he doesn't travel on a on a if he's not on a going day, he's not on a going day. So yeah, uh, yeah Cap Corso. Perfect. Yeah. So Daryl then with another Nichols runner. So that is a uh, that is fascinating. Andrew, sorry, we're going to say it like that. Another Nichols runner. <laughs> you must have been feeling you must have been feeling amazing yourself after your vaccine. Is all I'm saying. But no, no, I'm excited with a Nichols runner, so I can't say anything. <laughs> sorry, Andrew, are you going to say something? Uh, no, just that you're an idiot. Uh, no, no, because <laughs> not. No, because not. No, Rose. I mean, you know, you know what it's like with these things, and you start saying a, a trainer's out of form, mm -hmm. and then uh, an hour later they have a double, and uh, oh, it's always on know, a Saturday have, as well. Have the but yeah. but yeah, in, in terms of the finishing effort of the Nichols runners at the moment, 
looking at what's happened today at Wing County. And as we're recording, I'm, I'm quite happy to take them on for now. Uh, I've not done a huge amount of work on this race, but I've just got to mention Disha Abba um, for the uh, Philip Hobbs Yard, for the informed Philip Hobbs Yard, who's had three runs here at the track. First, first, second by uh, a nose, I think it was. So, uh, yeah, just in terms of if, if you want a bit of interest, a horse who likes the track, maybe Disha Abba ran about seven to one. Yeah, he definitely likes his track, doesn't he? Yeah, Deisha Abba there, yep, at a, at a fair price as well. And Rory, please, last word to you on this Sandown race. Yeah, it's a tough, there's a, there's a couple I don't like in the race. Um, I, I think um, Faraday may or may or may not run, but um, mm. he didn't seem suited by good ground to Cheltenham earlier in the season. Um, I don't like Cap Course um, much, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I might be inclined to give uh, under supervision another chance. He had excuses last time out. He's he's had um, he's had an interesting season. Obviously, he almost went through the um, uh, the rail at Cheltenham um, earlier in the season. Uh, fell early there next time, and his jumping's been a little bit in and out. But I think fundamentally, he's going to be a very good jumper of offence once he learns. He's just been a little bit um, uh, headstrong, a little bit hard to teach. But he's he's only six. Um, mm-hmm. And although he seemed to run uh, disappointingly last time, that was um, that was a full Gold Cup trip on soft ground at Cheltenham, and he did come back with um, with a taxier. So essentially, he tied up late on that day, um, and I think you can you can make excuses for that. Um, I think he'd be happier back on a, a better surface and back at three miles. And I think there's um, I'm sure there's more to come from him. Um, you know, he hasn't necessarily had the perfect um, preparation for a race like this, um, but he's a horse who's learning all the time. Um, and I think he's capable of winning off a mark of one, three, four. Um, a fighter looks it looks potentially lenient on um, uh, on the on the pick of what he's shown this season. Gets cheap pieces on for the first time, which I'm is neither here nor there for me. I'm not always a fan, um, but given that he's a little bit wayward, they might just help him a little bit. And uh, at seven to one, he's got a decent chance. Uh, Andrew mentioned Deja Ab. I was going to throw him in, in there as well. He's obviously won this race twice. Um, he's he's very inconsistent, and when he doesn't win, he tends to. When he doesn't run really well, he tends to pull up. Um, but he's liable to bounce back and run his race. And I was surprised he was as big as seven to one. I thought he was you know, the, the type who could start favourite for this race. Um, yeah. So if you're interested in nabbing value, now, I think Deja has got the look of a, uh, a shortener in the market. Yeah, for sure. Like you say, around six to one at the current time of recording. So do watch out for that. But under supervision, I can see nines as well there, Rory, for him. So he does Nines? Look- yes, I can see nines. So there you go. Get on it now, <laughs> as the Roy's made a very good case there for under supervision. So that finishes off our Sandown races. So now we're going to move over to Musselboro, where our first race is the 205. This is the old yin, I think that's how I say it, conditional jockeys, veterans, handicap chase, which is a 0 to 130 handicap chase for 10 year olds and over, over two mile six. Six of the eight runners are 10 year olds. So, Andrew, that doesn't really help us with our 10 year olds in a veterans race trend. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've color coded because we're covering so many meetings this week weekend. I've I've color coded my meetings. I've got Sandown in red. I thought it was a dangerous punting card. I've got <laughs> Weatherby in blue. Uh, I've got um, what does blue mean? I've got well, I'll come back to that. I've got Leopardstown in green, obviously because it's in Ireland, and uh, I've got Musselburgh in brown because it's crap. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, th- th- this is this is shocking, isn't it? I mean, we we got a horse like Cool Mix around about three to one who's one once from 14 starts in the last three years and finds diddly squat for pressure. You've got to worry. I mean, psychedelic rock, despite being an 11 year old, was quite interesting because he does his winning on sort of decent ground in the sort of March to October period. And uh, he you know, he's pulled up the last twice. He will bounce back on decent ground at some point. Probably not in this race. Maybe he'll like show some promise 
Um, we could, should perhaps be on him next time out. But it's uh, it's just a bit of a shocker, isn't it? Um, and, you know, Valadom, despite being a 13-year-old, you know, he, he ran a fantastic race at Sandown last time out. And, you know, looks sure to win at one stage. Next minute, he's fifth. But, you know, he'll go well from the front. But, yeah, no, yeah not for me. I, I couldn't put anything up here apart from uh, just don't bet the muscle brother this weekend, really. Oh, yeah. So it's brown colour coding then for Andrew at Musselburgh this weekend. Daryl, were you any more keen on this race? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> <clears throat> um, Great. There is, there's loads of pace in this race, though. Mm. Um, absolutely loads of pace. Uh, I was tempted to give Glenn Forster another chance. I thought he went quite well for a long way at Doncaster last time. Um, but I just don't know where I have him rated because I know he's fallen from the handicap from mark of 150 or 154. I can't have him as as 150 or 154 rated. So the fact that he's dropped that far on the handicap doesn't really mean too much, in all honesty, going back through the form. Um, so I don't know where I'm at with him. I do think back on a sounder service, back on a right-handed track and coming back a couple of furlongs in trip will suit him. But whether or not this this shape of this race will suit him, he does look a sharp track as well. So perhaps Musselburgh might suit him. I thought Calypso Colonge was probably the most solid option. Oli Murphy's got a good record here at, uh, at uh, Musselbury, six from 17. Uh, Lewis Stones takes six pounds off. He's fairly handicapped. He's pretty straightforward. He's pretty consistent. Um, he can sit off the pace. So if they all charge off, then I don't think it'll be an issue for him. I thought Calypso Collodra was the most solid option, but God, do I want to back him at 3 to 1? Absolutely not. Yeah, I completely that. I, I think that is completely fair with this race, of the way that Darren has just summed it up very well for us then. So, Rory, the lads, no real strong opinion on this muscle opener for us. Do you have any any other ways into this race? Uh, no, no other way into the race. Darren makes the point that, you know, uh, about uh, four of these led last time out and two of them um, have, have set off at very strong paces uh, mm -hmm. in races this year. So it could be a burn-up. Um, I'm always aware that when when everyone thinks it looks like a burn up, everyone mm -hmm. suddenly becomes very sensible yeah. and decides and decides not to go too fast. Um, I, like Darrell, Glenn Forsa attracted me, um, but he's um, he's not made me rich over the years. Um, Glenn Forsa, I've not I've not been with him too often, but I have been. I, I was I backed him each way in his return at at Ascot. I thought he would uh, I thought he would run well at a big price that day, and he did. Um, he, he had a pretty he had a pretty hard race that day. And he didn't quite stay the trip. He's never really stayed three miles from me. So this mm -hmm. unusual trip is two miles six here, isn't it? At, at a pretty sharp mm -hmm. track in Musselburgh. I thought that I thought if he was ever going to win a race again, it'll be a race at a sort of sharpish two mile six going right-handed. Um, and that means it's this or nothing for Glenn Forster. So if he's not good enough to win uh, to win this off one two seven or one two nine rather, then I think um, you know, it looks like retirement beckons for him. But um uh, that's rarely the case that people tend to keep going in the hope of, uh, of something turning around, but yeah, he would be, he would be the one that interests me there. But it also when I find that I'm interested in Glenn Forster for a race, I, uh, I try to sit my hands a little bit and not spend too much money. So. <laughs> you try and have a word with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Just to check yourself at that point when Glenn Forster is the horse that you're trying to come down on the side of. Uh, he is a 92 price, but it is just a horrible, horrible race. I think that the lads have all made that pretty clear. So we'll move on to the 240 then at Musselburgh. This is the turn of the Scottish County Handicap Hurdle, which is a 0 to 145 Handicap Hurdle. For four-year-olds and over, again, over just shy of two miles. And I'm actually going to get in there now first, if you don't mind, lads, because I do have my nap of the weekend. Can we guess it? No, you cannot guess it. Can we have one guess each? Uh, okay, okay, go on then, just out of interest, because I hope Rory one of you guess it. Pardon? 
Rory and Donna. No, I was marginally. Rory, Rory your him. guess. Uh, my guess would be highly prized. No. Oh, Darryl, God. Guess? Come on. My guess would be five and 20. No. Oh, for God's oh. sake. This is not voting well for my nap in any way. The fact that all three of you have not guessed it. <laughs> I was marginally, I was just about to go with glory and honor, but I'm actually going with Anna Benina in the hope that she can cope with the quick turnaround here. For me, she just has a perfect profile with almost perfect profile for this race. She may not be as highly rated as I really want for this race. However, you do have to remember this isn't a great renewal of this race. Top weight is only 139. So that has to be factored in and brings her into contention clearly off of her mark of 133. She's had the two starts this season. So I'm hoping it's not going to be major that she did only run a week ago. She finished fourth of the five in the grade two Yorkshire Rose Mayor's hurdle, which was a slight disappointment, admittedly. But she's already had a reciter over this course and distance on a reappearance. I just think she's been found a perfect opportunity here. She's a nice price as well, eight to one. So Anna Benina will do for me. But I will head back. I think it's Rory's turn, is it? Rory, I'll head back to you for this race, please. Yeah, I just thought she'd been a bit disappointing, Anna Benina. Um, she was. She, she was. She was weak in the market at, at um, over this course and distance on New Year's Day when she was quite well tipped up. And obviously, I, I could see that she might have just needed that run. Um, but um, she would slightly, well, it's not really out of her depth. And it wasn't a particularly good grade two she ran in last time at, at Doncaster. And it seems a, a, a slightly odd ploy to run her in consecutive weekends um, like that. So or John genius. McConnell, obviously. Or genius. Yeah, it could be genius. It could be <laughs> John McConnell's way of getting everyone <laughs> not to look at Pearl of the West. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I, I I didn't massively like the race. I like highly prized. Mm -hmm. I like highly prized as a horse. I I feel that he's probably a few pounds too high on the handicap. But you might you might make a point here that it's not necessarily about where you are in the handicap. It's it's about the shape of the race. Mm -hmm. um, he's got a bit of class. I I um, really fancied him for the Betfair Hurdle a couple of years ago um, when um, you know he he did not run particularly well on the back of an excellent win at um, at Huntington. Uh, I still think they the argument for him there was still sound enough and he's, he's one of a higher mark since. Um, but the thing is he, you know, he won a, a sort of summer handicap hurdle at, um, at Southall of one thirty. he's nine pounds higher than that. You know, if he'd, it, you know, if he wasn't playing his trade in the summer, he'd be lower in the weights. And I'm always wary of horses who've gone up in the weights for winning less competitive um, races, but he does need a sound surface. He's an interesting horse and in he started off uh, at Newmarket and then went to the States where he won several times on firm ground. And then he's come back here for a hurdling career. So he's had an interesting life, highly prized. Um, his best form is on a, on a was on a sound surface, a very sound surface. But actually, his his um, uh, you know he it was good to soft when he won at Huntingdon, and he did that in, in really nice style. So good to soft is fine for him. Muscle ground doesn't get particularly deep anyway, um, and he does have a touch of class about him. The yard continues in really good form, Emma Lavelle, and and uh, yard form is an issue with a couple of them in here, including John McConnell. I would say, you know, John. <sighs> You know, I don't, I don't want to have a go at Anna Benina again, but John's horses are always really interesting uh, in the UK, but it's just not not firing on all cylinders um, in the, the last couple of months. Um, but Emma Lavelle is um, highly prized, um, was tried over fences at Utah, jumped okay, but he's never really struck me as a chaser, um, particularly given his, his uh, flat career in the States. And I think he will bounce back here. Whether he's good enough to win off 139 is a slight question mark, but I think I'd give it a big shot. Yeah, 
So highly prized then for Rory after he's just completely torn apart my nap. So thanks so much for that, Rory. Well, I hugely appreciate the it. The only thing that matters for you is the result in the end, Kate. So, you know, oh, make it all, yeah, all I'm feeling very win. confident now <laughs> for that. No, um, but but it is an interesting race. The lesson highly prized, obviously, is fascinating. Um, then as the top weight in this race, Andrew, your turn, please, for the Scottish County. Yeah, my turn to crab Anna Bonina as well. No, um, don't do um, it. Stop I, attacking I did so, me. I did so last week when Daryl liked her. She finished fourth or five. She's not a winter horse. Uh, even when she gets unseasonably quick ground in the winter, she's not from 7th November to February. She's a March to October horse. And uh, I wrote her up in the weekend as a, a one to back under those conditions. So I don't think um, Saturday is going to be the day. Uh, and the global three... warming, it's basically spring now. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, <laughs> there's there's three that interested me. Glory and Honor, who um, last week at Cheltenham in Cromier, the, the Cromier Severance race in which Daryl um, tipped the forecast. Mm -hmm. And uh, Severance would have won had he gone around the outside instead of the inner on the deeper ground. Um, Glory and Honor took that route as well and uh, was prominent towards the inside, but it wasn't the place to be. So I thought Glory and Honor had a great chance. Five and 20, the, the Donald McCain horse. Five runs at Musselburgh, four wins uh, and a fourth last time out behind Tommy Os Tommy's Oscar. Um, again, second run after Windop. He's been well supported, eights into fives, uh, anti post. And uh, the other one was the Nick Alexander horse, uh, Diocletian, first run back after Windop. Um, my angle with the Nick Alexander horses is back them second run after the Windop. They do incredibly well, uh, make a good profit. And so many of them have run uh, well and defeated big prices as well. There's a big in running angle. Um, so I'm looking for Diocletian to probably run well without winning with a view to backing that one next time out. But I'll go glory and honour over 5 and 20. First of March, I'm all over Anna Benina, but not on the 5th of February. <laughs> right. Thanks for that, Andrew, so much. Daryl, last word to you. Please, no attacking Anna Benina from you and just pure positives about your own selection, please. <laughs> she, she was so disappointed last week. I just like... I'd like to know what the excuse was for that last week before I, mm -hmm. before I back her again seven days later. That Actually, she's been turning out so quick. Surely it's a positive. Anyway, so I'm going to stop I'm, making I'm a case I'm hoping that's the case with glory and honour, turning him out seven days later, because I thought he ran a blinder at Cheltenham. I thought he did really well, um, up with the pace for most of the race. Just echo what Andrew said, basically, about going around the inside inside route. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He, uh, he sort of... I think he was sort of taken by surprise. I think the job, Stan Shepard was taken by surprise a little bit because the pace quickened just just before the turn into the home straight and everything had come wide and swamped him and he sort of had nowhere to go really. Um, but he quickened up really nicely coming down the home straight. I, I thought it, he panicked and sort of made his move too early, if, if that sort of makes sense. Um, and I thought he was, was better than the bare result. I, I thought it was an, an excellent run. He's been dropped three pounds for that. I actually think he's a better horse going right-handed um, and the quick ground will be, will be no issue. I think this sharper, tighter track will suit him very well. Uh, and I think he's got a good chance of, of a handicap mark that is essentially in free fall a little bit at the minute. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is, isn't it? Yeah, I was just a slight, I mean, he was my second section here. I was just slightly concerned about, I know he's been dropped an extra three pound then for last amount, but just in the context of this race, I didn't know if he was too lowly rated for it, but it isn't a great renewal. So it may well just counteract that. So we will swiftly move on from that race. <laughs> Loads of encouragement there. Thanks, guys. To the 345 then at Musselburgh. This is the Edinburgh National Handicap Chase, a 0 to 150 contest for five rods and over, over three miles, seven furlongs, 108 yards. And 
I mean, I'm just tired reading that trip, to be honest. So, Daryl, only seven runners. Who wins, please? <clears throat> yeah, I've got a good bet in here, I think. Uh, the Wolf. I really like the Wolf for this. Um, <clears throat> I like Highland Hunter, but I, I, I can't have him carrying 11, 12 around nearly four miles around Musselburgh. I think the Wolf's been crying out to go further than, than three miles. I thought it was an excellent run behind fullback at Cheltenham last time. The time before as well. Uh, behind two for gold, and the time before behind Fortescue, which is which has worked out well. He's on a very fair mark of 137. He's been rated as highly as 144. Um, there'll be no ground concerns at all. He's probably got some of the strongest form over three miles in this race. I think he ticks a lot of boxes. His RPRs are climbing, so I think he's uh, you know on course to run another career best next time. Um, I didn't like the rest in the race behind him. I know Mighty Thunder's got a got a good record at Musselburgh, winner of this race last year, but rated 148 now. Is he better than that? I, I don't really know. Uh, I don't think so. And Highland Hunter, I, I can't really have him being better than a mark of 149. I think this race is asking for something to take a step forward in, and I'm going to have a good bet on this because I, uh, I think the Wolf is well handicapped. Yeah, definitely in there at 10 to 3 at the current time of recording them for the Wolf for Daryl. So, Rory, yourself, please, for the Edinburgh National. Uh, I I didn't like it enormously as a race, but, um, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with, with uh, Daryl that Highland Hunter was initially interesting, but um, I thought he's he's high enough in the weights now. I don't think... That, I don't think the plan was to win at Sandown a couple of starts ago. Um, I think he was he was being set up nicely for the Welsh National, um, and he had a, the Welsh National was pretty grueling as well. So mm -hmm. I'm just a little bit a little bit wary of backing him at a, at a shortish price. And although Mighty Thunder is better than he's shown this season, um, and obviously you know really came onto his own last spring, I thought he was high enough in the weights on on um, balance. He's a lot higher than he was uh, when he won this last year, 19 pounds um, to be exact. And um, whether he'd wanted a bit softer as well. Um, was something I thought I was inclined at a I, I was going to say at a biggish price, not looking at the odds, but um, I thought step back was interesting. Ooh, he'll enjoy point. himself. Mm. Um, you know, he, he's not he's not been leading on recent starts, but I think um, uh, with Lily Bradstock, um, Mark and Sarah Bradstock's daughter on board, um, I think he will revert to front running tactics. And he's, you know, when he's allowed to make his own running on goodish ground, going right-handed, he can be a pretty decent horse. Uh, obviously, not quite the force of all, but he's very lightly raced for a horse of his age. Um, I thought he could bounce back. He was a, a dual winner in in uh, twenty twenty one at Sandtown and Wincanton on good ground, uh, ridden by a claimant both times. And a little Lily Bradstock's not got a huge amount of experience. Um, race riding she's done a fair bit of point to pointing uh and I, I looked back at her winning the um the four miler at cheltenham at the hunter chase uh, maybe a couple of years ago um and i thought she was um i thought she was pretty good that day so i'm not massively worried about um about the rider in the grand scheme of things uh, and i thought step back could surprise here at the price yeah 12 to 1 then step back and as you say he is very lightly raced for a 12 year old isn't he only 16 starts under rules to go as eight point to point starts. So quick maths, 24 career starts in all for this 12 year old is a, is very lightly race for you. He was able to dictate then on the front end. Andrew, your way into this race, please. Yeah, not a great deal to add. Uh, siding with the youngest horse in the race has often been the way in. We've had three eight year olds and an eight year old second um, where, when that age group didn't win. So that um, pays a compliment to Daryl's pick, the wolf. Mm. And um, I'm a big step back fan as well. Um, and again, I, you know, right-handed smallish field from the front can see him running well despite advancing years so uh, 
maybe I'll just throw my uh, two pennies at the uh, the lads' selections and do reverse forecast. That's it then, Andrew in complete uh, complete team player there and siding with both of the lads' selections in the 3.45 at Musselburgh. So that's us done with Musselburgh, as Andrew will be delighted about. So we're going to move on to our one race then from Weatherby. This is the... Well, I'll, I'll stop you, Aiko. I accidentally looked at one of the other races and um, okay. clear, clear, clearly got um, confused about my timings, but um, don't worry about that. <laughs> Are you sure? You don't want to go yeah, back and cover no. it? He wants paying for it. I'll put, I'll, yeah. I won't pay for everything. I'll put it in my collar. Okay, right. We'll look forward to that then. Uh, look forward to that then anyway from Andrew. So we will head to the 2.30 at Weatherby. This is the Towson Novices Chase. This is a grade two for five rods and over over three miles. We'll get to see Ahoy Senor back out. He's currently a four to five shot against a super likeable Sam Palais at 11 to four second in the market. Then there's Ashtown Lad and the outsider is Noble Yates. So, Andrew, back to you. Difficult to find a betting angle into this race. Do you take on a Hoy Senor or do you side with them? Yeah, first of all, use its proper name, the Toy Town. Um, <laughs> not, 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 not the Towton. Uh, always been the, the Toy Town, town to me. <laughs> now, um, yeah, I, mean, I mean, interesting, uh, you know, a Hoy Senor, you know, will he do what he did at uh, Newbury and just blast off from the front? But, you know, does he need softer ground than he's going to get on Saturday? It's likely to be good according to the forecast. So, you know, a 13 to 8 on, you, you can leave him alone and get uh, let him go on back. I was um, impressed by uh, Son Palais at, uh, at Newbury last time. I know the um, uh, that race, you know, isn't, um, you know, the, the, the race it was um, since, you know, sort of Jadami won it back in the day. But, you know, he still won from off the pace at Newbury over fences, which isn't exactly easy to do. So, uh, you know, and you look at the horses who prepped in Handicap Company coming to the Toy Town, you know, they've often done well. I mean, but you know, Bay Baywing won this off a handicap run at 33 to 1 in 2017. Hal won it at 14 to 1 off a handicap run in 2007. There was another one, uh, the name escapes me, at 9 to 4 in between that pair. So I thought at the prices, I'll be looking at maybe a sort of Sompale to cause a bit of an upset. I say upset, 132nd favourite. Ashtown Lad, I thought, is a spring horse and uh, is probably just being geared up for a sort of handicap at uh, Cheltenham or Aintree and um, won't be at his best today. And Noble Yates, I wasn't particularly keen on. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go Sompale just to upset the jolly. OK, yeah, Sam Palo then to take on the odds on shot at the head of the market. Daryl, do you also take that approach or different for you? No, I want to take him on. I do want to take him on here. I I mean, I keep getting this horse wrong, in all honesty. Um, I didn't really believe the, the entry hurdle form last year uh, of his beating a brave man's game. I remember saying a few weeks back. Um, so that's why I took him on at Newbury. He was very impressive at Newbury, but the race has not really worked out. Uh, and then last time at Kempton... I know right-handed's probably not his thing, but for me, he just found the fences coming at him too fast as well, and he was just getting in too tight. Going back left-handed is probably going to suit him, but you've got to remember at Newbury, he did jump out to the right. Now, I am not entirely convinced that he wants a quicker surface like he's going to get at Weatherby, and I'm not entirely convinced that the Weatherby track is going to suit him either because these fences do come at you quite thick and fast, and he's going to have to be very much on point with his jumping. There's, I think there's four fences in the home straight here. So he's not going to have the opportunity to just go out in front and, and tr like gallop them into submission because he's going to be meeting fences very often at, uh, at Weatherby. There's not a lot of galloping uh, time other than the bends, really. Um, if he starts jumping out to the right again, I, I think he'll end up getting beaten. 
I think St. Palais is the bet, actually, at 10 to 3. I, lo- I loved what he did at Newbury. I was really impressed with the way he 130. <laughs> yeah, 130. Uh, I was really impressed with what him and Jericho Rock did. I think Jericho Rock, if they can get him out quick enough, would have a great chance in the Ultimate at Cheltenham. Um, mm-hmm. But I-, I love the way he pulled quick, but pulled clear. Uh, and he's got that bit of course experience as well. So uh, I-, I think there's a lot in St. Palais' favour and not so much in a Hoyce and yours favour, in all mm-hmm. honesty. And just, just touching on the weights quickly, five year olds get a six pounds weight allowance here. So he's effectively getting £11 from St. Palais, uh, from Ahoy Senor, which means Ahoy Senor has actually got to improve to win this race. So, yeah, I, 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 I wanted to take him on, in all honesty, I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like I say, and especially with the price leading you that way as well. And when you've just mentioned all of those, all of those factors in San Palais' favour and against Ahoy Senor, that does make a very strong case to be taking him on with. Rory, are you in agreement with the lads or are you siding with the favourite? Uh, no, I'm in, I'm in total disagreement. Ahoy Senor will win this bad by 35 lengths, I would say. Oh, cool. um, Punchy. <laughs> by distances. <laughs> uh, I, I've actually just put Ahoy Senor up as a, an anti post bet for the. Uh, um, for the Brown Advisory Novices Chase at the Cheltenham Festival. Yeah. Um, he, listen, I've gone back and looked at the the entry race. I've heard a few people suggest that he um, he rather stole it at the entry. You, you go back and watch that race again. He, the, the field are really well grouped up, turning for home. Um, he's got a good gallop, but he hasn't he hasn't sort of sneaked any um, hasn't sort of sneaked a ten length lead. Uh, Brave Man's game was within a length and a half of about the second last hurdle, and he's beaten them seven lengths. Um, Do you not? Sorry to jump in, Roy. Do you not think, though, that that's end of season form and Brave Man's game had no. a really tough race at Cheltenham? No, because and, he's, and he's, he's, he's put up he's, on, on the figures that I've, that, that I've seen um, and on the, on the time figures, he's put up a remarkably similar performance um, uh, at, at entry and Cheltenham. Uh, he's just brushed aside by better horses both times. I think a horse in yours is the real deal. I think he showed that uh, at entry. He, he wasn't expected to because he was a big price. Um, and then I know, listen, I know the Newbury race is, is hard to draw conclusions from, but again, you're looking at the clock and he put up a good performance there. He's got, he made a mistake at the water and that can often ruin a horse's um, confidence over fences. And he's made one more mistake in that, but actually at, at most of his fences, he was very good and he was gaining ground on his rifles. Kenton was all wrong for him. Um, you, you're right. You kind of, you, you've put it nicely there. The fences were, were coming at him rather than him coming at the yeah. fences. Mm-hmm. But looking back at the entry again, the question is, is he fundamentally a sound jumper or not? For me, he is a very sound jumper. Um, in the way he went about things over hurdles and you can see that he needs to be rolling along. He needs to find a rhythm early. Um, yeah. but when he does, I think, I think he could be very, very good indeed. Um, Kempton was just completely the wrong track for him to find a rhythm. He didn't jump badly, but he was never able to, um, to use his stride there. He was never able to get away from, from a horse who's got a better turn of foot than him. Um, and you know, you run that race again, you still fancy Brave Man's game to win it. But I think as time goes on, the horse in your gains experience, bear in mind, he only made his debut a year ago. Yeah. You know, he's he's very, very short in experience. To have done what he's what he what he's done in the, the space of time he has is very impressive. I would rather have seen him run in something like the Denman Chase at Newbury to give connections the, the opportunity to, to find out where they stood with the older horses. And it's a wee bit disappointing they're running him in this race because but it pretty much means they're gonna go down the novice route with him. It's very hard to win a race like this and then say, Yes, we're gonna run in the gold cup. Um Rory, I think you'd, Rory, you'd, again, sorry to speak, yeah. is he ground dependent? He's been I'm just looking through, he's been pulled out Pretty soft, good, and good to soft. Um, so it's officially good at the moment, I think, or good, good to soft in places, mm-hmm. whether it be 
Will he, will he just outclass them and win despite the ground? Yeah, I don't think. I I think they're because this is the best horse they've ever had. Um, I think um, Lucinda Russell and Peter Scudamore are very very careful not to do not you know not to take any chances. It's kind of a Jenny Pittman approach. Remember Jenny Pittman when it, with all her good horses, she'd never run them. She thought the ground was wrong. She was constantly pulling them out and and um, uh, calling. Clarks of the course, very rude names and stuff like that. And I think they're being a little bit like this with the horse in your because you know they they see him as a gold cup winner. And if there's a if there's a race in which they don't need to take a chance with the ground, they're they're being careful. I think they wouldn't worry too much if it was you know if the race um, they had in mind for him at, uh, at you know at Cheltenham was on good ground. They may look at this again and say, well, actually, we do have the option. We could go to Newbury. And run them, and they may think about pulling them out here because of that. But I haven't heard anyone say that. Yes, I'd um, love to see him in a Labrooks Trophy or a Welsh National. Be yeah, exactly. Incredible uh, because yeah, his 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 um he's slightly he's a bit reminiscent of Carvel's Hill in that in that uh, way when you talk about the Welsh National. Just the way uh, his ability to just keep galloping at, at the entry was was hugely impressive. He needs to harness that property over fences, and he hasn't quite done that yet. But again, he he's had he's only had five races. Um, over obstacles in his life, he's going to keep learning. Um, I think your point about the ground is 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 a valid enough one. I don't think he would struggle to handle it, but I, I think they're clearly not keen to keep running him on uh, you know on ground that's faster than you'd expect at the time of the year outside of the festivals. Um, mm. So so we'll see what they do um, at Weatherby. Um, Weatherby they used to have issues with the ground when it got quick um, early season because they relay, had to relay the track partially because of the. Um, the rebuilding work with the um, with the M1, didn't they? And there were issues with the grind for a while there. But I haven't heard any moans about Weatherby's grind in uh, in the last couple of seasons. So hopefully he goes ahead with it. This wouldn't really be the race. To, I, I, I'm not going to punt him at eight to thirteen here, but I say I would very very happily back him at say eight or nine to one for for Cheltenham. Yeah, for um, the Brown Advisory yeah. then for the three mile novice chase the old RSA if that helps you in any way listening out or watching out there for which race we're exactly talking about for the novices races at the festival. But dividing opinions then at Weatherby. So we will move on to our final meeting of the day. And lads, if it's okay with you, we might just have to uh, go through this quite quickly, which is a bit of a shame. But in case of this podcast being a, a two hour special, then we're going to fly through these Leopardstown, a couple of races we have scheduled. So our first one is the 135. This is the uh, grade one spring hurdle for four-year-olds over two miles. This is, of course, a juvenile contest there for, and it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see these horses on the first day of the Dublin Racing Festival. I just hope that obviously the ground doesn't dry out too much. We're getting positive signs as uh, so far today. Anyway, that the ground that the, the Leopard Sound team there have done a really good job with it. But as I say, we begin with this race then at 135, where we currently have Fieldor at the head of a market to hopefully stake his claims as one of, if not the best juvenile hurdler around yet again. So Rory, who do you like in this race, please? I'm not going to say I don't like Fieldor, but I don't, I'm not going to be backing Fieldor here. I, I, I think the early season juvenile form was largely very ordinary and he was the best of a, an ordinary lot. He could be better than he's, than he's been, he's had to show because he's, he's been winning his races. Um, but I don't think those races have been particularly strong. Um, and um, there are a couple of options here. The obvious one is, is backing Vauban to beat him, who, was, who um, very much caught the eye um, on debut. Um, mm -hmm. slightly, slightly concerned by, by uh, the addition of a tongue tie for Vauban um, in a race that comes up pretty quickly. And also, he doesn't, have, he doesn't quite have the archetypal Willie Mullins profile, um, which is normally, you know, pick him up, um, give him a, 
a year or more on the sidelines while you while you establish their credentials and then let them loose. He was he was running for his his previous yard last summer. Um, and the one I want to be with at a big price here is Ben Siegel. Um, I was I was keen to be with him at Christmas. He was among the entries uh, for the um, for the race at Field Door One um, at Leopardstown on St Stephen's Day, as we say in Ireland, uh, the night Frank Juvenile Hurdle. Um, but he didn't he, he wasn't declared to run there. M- makes me worry ever so slightly about whether whether his trainer was happy with him at the time. Um, but um, I thought he made a really really impressive hurdles debut at Punchestown. It wasn't the strongest race in the world. Um, it was a big field contest, but he um, he put it to bed in really impressive style in the straight uh, to be Prairie Dancer four and a half lengths. Now, I think you might be seeing Prairie Dancer in something like the um, uh, the Boodles, mm-hmm. not the Gold Cup Boodles, the other Boodles. Um, <laughs> so I think he's an interesting um, horse long term. Um, uh, and in behind it, you know, there, was, there wasn't a, a huge amount, except for Dr. Churchill, he's won a couple of times since. So the, for, the form's okay there, but it wasn't so much the depth of the race. It was the, um, uh, it was how professional Ben Siegel was. His jumping was was assured. Um, he looked to really enjoy it, uh, and he quickened well to put the race to bed um, at the second last. And I thought he, he had the look of a horse who could go a fair way over hurdles. And although I was disappointed not to see him over Christmas, the fact that Noel Mead sticks him in um, a race like this um, on a second start of a hurdle suggests that he hasn't lost any confidence in him. He's a biggish price. He's maybe about 16 to 1. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, 16. And on paper, he's going to be defined. And his his um, his flat form was was only fairly ordinary. He was a, he was a, um, a winner of um, marks of 55 and 59 in the flat. And there'll be horses who are classier than this. But of course, um, you only have to go back a year and look at uh, in the same colours um look at the uh um the horse who won the uh, the boodles last year jeff kidder mm. i mean he still can't win in the flat he was running in flat handicaps this summer off marks in the in the low 50s mm-hmm. and struggling to win whereas he's a you know he's a almost a sort of you know 150 hurdler um and ben siegel represents the same connections um and he again has taken really well to hurdling i think he's going to outstrip his flat form massively in this sphere and the one thing we knew about him on the flat was that given an opportunity he would win and that's yeah. always a good sign as well. Uh, I'd rather have a horse who's winning off marks in the 50s than a horse who's constantly getting beaten off 70-odd. Uh, off so I think he will run well, and um, he'd be one of my better bets of the weekend at that kind of price. Ooh, nicely done then. Yeah, so 16 to 1 about Ben Siegel. As you say, he's been with Olmeade for his entire career, and he does look a big price there, considering the confidence to chuck him into a race of this nature for Noel Mead. So, Andrew, back to you, please, for this race. Yeah, I've made a few quid over this race in the years by opposing horses coming from Maiden Hurdle Company, two grade one company in one swoop. They might turn out to be top class in, in the end, but they don't always win at the first time of asking, trying to make that big leap. So I'll be looking at uh, Phil Dore and probably playing uh, that one in the forecast with uh, others who've run behind him previously, like Six Feet Apart and um, Scenic Luke, who are priced at 66 to 1 and 200 to 1. Scenic Luke, I've got my eye on for the Fred Winterstroke Boodles. Um, but yeah, um, just opposing the maiden hurdle horses. Um, second, third, fourth and fifth in the betting at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Then for Andrew's way into this race. And then, Daryl, for you? If Vauban clears the last comfortably at Punchestown last time on debut and beats Pied Piper quite comfortably, Pied Piper goes out and does what he does at Cheltenham. Mm. Vauban's an even money favourite for this easily. Um, I would totally echo Rory's sentiment about Phil Dawes' early season form. I don't believe it. I think... I think people can get too excited about juveniles too early on. Um, 
I do think he's a very nice horse. Uh, I, I'm not one to, I don't want to write him off just yet, but I do think that uh, the three ones next to his name probably look better than the bare form does when you actually go through it. I thought Vauban was a, a very promising uh, debutant for Willie Mullins at, at Punchestown. He's got a couple of questions to answer here. The quicker ground, um, the tongue tie first time, of course, is a slope worry, but he was very highly touted before that, before that, uh, before that debut run. Uh, and the form has been advertised very well. Now, I know a lot of people will say Pied Piper has improved chunks since that run, but, you know, I don't know about that. Looking at the British juvenile form this season, I've flagged it up more, more and more times at least yeah. before this year. So I, I, I wouldn't go as far to say that Pied Piper has improved chunks. So it'll be very interesting. I've got no financial interest, but uh, obviously I fancy Vauban for the, Vauban for the juvenile hurdle, at, uh, for the triumph hurdle. So, yeah, I'll be watching with a close eye. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating if Vauban goes and wins that with what connections of obviously Pied Piper and Fildor are going to do to separate those two then in which way they're going to go down. Because at the minute they're talking about Pied Piper potentially being a, a supreme horse and then Fildor being the stayer then for the triumph. But who knows? Who knows? It's all going to potentially get thrown up in the air then this weekend at Leopardstown. Now, our final scheduled race comes from Leopardstown. This is a 3.15. It's a big one. It's the Grade 1 Irish Gold Cup chase for five runs and over, over three miles, where, uh, I mean, the market is sort of flip-flopping all over the place, really. We have... Kenboy uh, as the current market leader, but it is a tricky race to assess. The reigning Gold Cup winner in here, Manella Indo, bidding to bounce back from his King George disappointment. So, Daryl, back to you. Who wins the Irish Gold Cup? Um, I don't know who wins it, but the the bet for me is is Silios Emery at sixty six to one because I think he's wildly overpriced. He's rated one hundred and sixty over fences. Now he is stepping up to three miles. There is a bit of stamina in the family, but you can get five places. 28 to 1 with Betfair, for example. And I just think that's that's ludicrous because I don't think Conflated's good enough. I don't think Janadil will, st will stay the trip as much as they will try and tell you he will. Delta work first time cheap piece is interesting, but his jumping's been letting him down. Asterion for Longe is Asterion for Longe. Manila Indo needs to bounce back. I mean, five mm -hmm. places at 28 to 1 for Silio Semri. I, I I didn't have a confident enough view about who would who would win because I I, I like Frodon, I like Kenboy, but um I thought that would that would be the bet and that would do for me in, in what was a, a race very tricky to solve, to be honest. Yeah, very tricky. And I thought that myself, the Celios Emery did look wildly overpriced. They say around 66 to 1 does look absolutely huge than for his chances in this. But tricky, tricky race to assess. Andrew, yourself, please. Not looked at it in any great detail, so a pass from me. Not at all. Rory, yourself. Oh, we've got you on mute, Rory. Dog I, <laughs> I have a theory here which will be tested um, okay. in the race. I don't think Manila Indo gets on with Rachel Blackmore at all. Okay. That is in no way meant to be um, uh, a criticism of Rachel. Mm -hmm. um, but um, he's been, for me, he's been an absolute pig when she's ridden him the last um, three or four times. Mm -hmm. um, whereas when she um, naturally got off him for the Gold Cup last year, he was on his best behaviour. He was an mm -hmm. absolute dream ride. Um, but uh, she rode him in this race last year when he was a hot favourite and he kept putting down when she asked him to pick up um, and he basically was really ignorant, didn't do anything she asked him to do in the race, um, kept putting in an extra stride at the fences and was just generally, you know, like a like a moody adolescent. Um, <laughs> as I said, he then he then won the the uh, the Gold Cup and Rachel was was um, despite the fact she had the week of her life at Cheltenham, that it really hurt that she didn't win the Gold Cup. Yeah. Um, uh, you can write off his return uh, behind Frodon to some degree. But again, at, at Kempton, he did not. She had a plan. 
Uh, she wanted to make sure that Frodon didn't get an easy lead. Uh, and she needed him, to, you know, she didn't want to go hell for leather, but she wanted him to put in good jumps at some of these fences just to keep Frodon honest. And again, you know, he, he took whatever excuse he could to back off. Um, and for me, either that's just a sign. If it wasn't for the Gold Cup, you'd say this horse is going backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did what he did in the Gold Cup. It's a tremendous performance. Uh, and obviously that was the one time that Rachel hasn't ridden him in recent times. So my view here is there's a chance that Manella Indo will look at different horse entirely uh, with Robbie Power on board. Um, yeah. Again, you know, I think Rachel is still an absolutely top-notch rider. It's not about her. It's about communication between an individual horse and an individual jockey. And some horses just don't get on with some people and do with others. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Robbie gets on with Manella Indo. I've actually tipped him for the for the Gold Cup because I do think the last two runs can be completely written off. The cheek pieces, Kempton, I just thought was all wrong. He's got a poor record right-handed. He always needs his reappearance run. So I do think yeah. you can write them 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 two runs off. And the fact that you brought the uh, Rachel Blackmore into it just it's quite interesting actually because there's another yeah listen that... if you if you want to just look look at him in this race last year look at the Rachel's body language see mm. where she sees a stride and says right take off here and he just doesn't he just ignores her uh, and he was like that at Kempton as well now it may well the fact that that um Henry de Brom had wanted to put um, cheek pieces on him at Kempton is a concern in itself it suggests that temperament might be getting the better of him and that's and that's why um he's doing that to help Rachel um but um, they've been abandoned here. I, I couldn't be. I wouldn't be hugely confident. But you know, in, in form terms, he should still be a shorter price than he is. A Kenboy can't be favourite for this, can he? Would you? Would you <laughs> rather back him at seven to one for the gold, or eight, nine to one for the gold cup, or, t- or ten to three here? Uh, well, there aren't too many here. One hundred to thirty. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Uh, I think it's. Uh, I'd rather back him. I'd. I'd rather back him here and see where I stand. Um, and see, you know, see, see if if the if the theory is right. If he jumps really well, because his jumping's not hasn't always been a strong suit. He's always inclined um, when when a stride is there to put in a short one. Um, and it, you know, if he does that again, then that, that would still count against him um, long term. But uh, I'd give him one more chance. Again, you still have to be slightly concerned about the De Bromhead form. It's not been a, it's not been a good um, couple of months for mm. for uh, the De Bromhead stable. It was um, a good chat up until that point, Rory. Good chat until then. <laughs> <laughs> But well, I'd, the, the I'd, I'd give, I'd give one more. Of, um, special horse biscuits probably haven't arrived yet, so I'm oh, sure yes, yes. they'll be here in time for jump. Um, he listen. He is a he's a trainer who does get his horses absolutely spot on in March, and he doesn't tend to be nearly as. I mean, say that about Willie Mullins, but if you look at Willie's winners historically in December and January compared to Henry de Bromheads, and indeed through Gordon Elliott into that mix, they tend to be getting a lot more um, run of the mill winners. Uh, Henry tends to be a little bit quieter, and then. Um, you know, Cheltenham, particularly last year, um, he really turns it on. So I give him a chance, Manila Indo, but there's a lot of horses I wouldn't like in this race. Um, good luck with Silos Emery staying three miles. If you if you got that right, Donald, you're a genius because I cannot see him staying um, in a month of Sundays. Um, the, the blindingly obvious one in the race is Frodon. You know, he will he will really appreciate the ground um, more than most of these. And again, you know, they're, they're potentially going to be playing catch up with with. Um, against Bryony. The fact that he was taken on in the King George and Rambi Lowe form as a result means they might have forgotten that he can, um, you know, he can steal races from the front, um, given the way that Bryony rides him. So if they're not aware of that again, then he's a really dangerous one. And um, he always tends to give his running when things are in his favour. So I think he's he's the one, if you needed one to to run a good race to, to save your life, you'd be with Frodon. But mm-hmm. I will just take a chance on Manila Indo with a bigger price 
um, based on on what I've been saying about the fact that he's he's not been giving his running for for Rachel uh, and uh, a change of pilot might just do the trick with him. Yeah, definitely. And I am in total agreement then with Manella and as well. I probably would side with your angle more so, Daryl, where I'd rather side with him for the Gold Cup, I think, at his current price rather than this race. However, I still can't leave him at 100 to 30 for this race here on the back of two very forgivable runs. Thanks, Andrew. On the back of two very, very forgivable runs. I know that Leopardstown hasn't been his track in his two starts at the track so far, falling in the Savile Chase, jumping with no confidence then in this race last year. However, we know that he's gone and won a gold cup since then. So I can completely forgive him for his runs there and then for this season. And I do th think it's fascinating. I guess Robbie Powell's riding him because Rachel Blackmore's going to ride a blue tide in the gold cup. So yeah, that's correct. Wants yeah. A, yeah, wants a, wants a sight there or, or a sit on him at least. So, yep, in agreement then for Manella Indo for me as well. So that is all of our scheduled races covered. So, Andrew, I'm going to throw it back to you for any other bets from a Dublin Racing Festival. Hang on, I'm just going to take my time because uh, we're into double time now because we've done uh, <laughs> twice the time of a normal podcast. You may, but, you, um, you may go through quickly uh, then. Do, do, remember, do you remember the note we had that said, keep it punchy? So, uh, <laughs> no, nothing else for me. Nothing else for you. Rory or Daryl? Uh, Daryl, go to you then. Anything else from, from no. Leather Sound? Uh, yeah, I really like a wave of the wave of the sea in the three fifty. It's a good bet. You're going to want to hear it, honestly. Uh, well, I've, I've tipped it up in Racing Football Outlook. The youngest horse always wins this race, and Wave of the Sea was the youngest horse when he won it last year. <laughs> there you go. He's the youngest horse again. Um, yeah, back down to a mark of 142. The booking of Shane Fitzgerald is very, very interesting for the yard. Um, drops back to two miles. It's going to get a good pace on with Mount Leicester trying to probably go and steal it from the front but i don't think he yeah. i think you'll get caught later on so yeah wave of the sea for me wonderful wave of the sea then in the 350 and rory yourself for leopard sound no no more no more leopard sound other than uh, sort of to back that up that joseph o'brien's a yard he's really firing at the moment and he's uh he's, he's well worth siding with generally so another vote of confidence then for a wave of the sea in the 350 at leopard sound now i'm going to open the floor anything else from anywhere else any of the meetings we may not have covered no. Yeah, yeah, just one. Yeah, now, oh, here we uh, go. He comes back now. <laughs> yeah. Um, four o'clock, Lingfield, fast track qualified. Good effort. Six from six on poly track in Europe. Um, five films to Peter No Good at Newcastle last time. Seven to four. Good effort. In the four o'clock then at Lingfield. Good effort for Andrew. And anything from anyone else? No problem. Any other any other tips will, of course, be on the column. All that's left to do is to get your nap. So, Daryl, back to you for your nap, please. Um, oh, wave of the sea. Let's go the wall. Three forty-five at Musselburgh. Perfect, Andrew. Nap, please. Uh, good effort. Four o'clock, Lingfield. Perfect, Rory. Uh, I'm going to go with Ben Siegel in the spring at Juvenile at Leopardstown. Wonderful. And despite the lads, I'm going to go Anna Panina in the 2.40 at Musselburgh. So that is everything from us. A proper blockbuster show then this week. Thank you so much for sticking with us through everything. I'm sure you could appreciate there was an awful lot to cover. Luckily, top class racing in the main that we had to talk about anyway. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Thank you to the lads for all of their hard work as per usual, but especially this week. Thank you to our sponsors, SBK. And enjoy the racing this weekend. We'll speak to you again next week. Thank you.